needs the seas to be wetter We don't need all our cheese to be cheddar Our only needs to get better and better and better and better Hi everyone, this is Jessica Jake and today I'm here with Sarah Chopra, naturopath. She's a yoga teacher, a hypnotherapist, and a meditation facilitator. Welcome, Sarah. Oh, hello, Jess. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so happy to have you here. I've been enjoying all the content that you've been sharing with the world and have a bunch of questions for you. One of the things that I was excited about was you had shared something about the polyvagal theory, and that's one of my favorite things. And I realized maybe not a lot of people have heard of that. And I was wondering if you were, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Don't you just love it when you, you discover it and you start to learn about it? And I suppose Instagram or any kind of social media, when you sort of start searching in that space, I get that feeling of wanting to wrap myself up in a little cocoon and in a blankie or something like that. And I feel all <laughs> safe and warm and go, oh, just tell me more about it, please, because it's wonderful. So the polyvagal uh, wealth theory, as we we're just discussing previously, Jessica, which is sort of not really much of a theory now. It's actually a practice and a, a known Oh, I wouldn't even say phenomenon, but it's it's a known research where it, it entails your nervous system. And I think a lot of people were, when um, being a naturopath, when I went through studying, it was when we learned about the nervous system, it was really, especially the autonomic nervous system, we just really learn about the rest and digest, which is your parasympathetic nervous system, and the fight or flight state which is your sympathetic nervous system you know when your adrenaline kicks in and your heartbeat races and that's usually when we're sort of a bit stressed and 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 it's those two and it's always kind of that seesaw and you've got to get the balance and and if you're in a sympathetic state it affects your digestion and and that's where I really started to research a little bit more about it because being a naturopath that it entails sort of a bit of a combination of natural medicine in the in the realm of a nutritionist, a herbalist. We do a little bit of mind body work. A lot of naturopaths can and you know might even do massage or things like that. But it's a lot of it's food as medicine and and using herbs and and vitamins and minerals and things like that. So when people would come to see me predominantly for their gut health a lot of people would actually be affected in this sympathetic state because life is busy like we're stressed and and people were becoming constipated a lot of the time because they were constantly in this state and that kind of worked with me for a while but then there would be these these people that would come in between and once that kind of came through, it moved into that mental health component. And then I started to learn about the, the brain-gut connection and how our gut is connected to our brain through the vagal nerve and, and how our gut is also called as the second brain and has its own nervous system called the enteric nervous system. And my passion grew from that and how our, our brain gut bugs and the neurons in our gut send messages up to our brain and then it, it can affect our mood and, and cause an inflamed brain. It's also related to depression as well. And I just that that kind of opened up a whole new realm for me as well. And and but these messages 
even the inflammation and the messages would go travel up this vagal nerve. And it was mostly 80% goes up from your gut to your brain and, and then just a, a small amount goes from your brain down to your gut, the, the other 20%. And it just really intrigued me and how this vagal nerve was such a large component of our system. And it was very much to do with your parasympathetic state, this resting and digesting state and how you can stimulate your vagal nerve and activate it in various ways because it starts at the brain stem behind your head there at the top of your neck and, and then travels down through your heart, through your spleen, through a lot of your organs and obviously ends down into your, into your gut, into the enteric nervous system. And it's called the wandering nerve because it just wanders through so much part of, part of us. And it just really, really fascinated me how much of an impact that it had on our whole state, this vagal nerve. And... The more I researched, I found that then there was this freeze state. So it wasn't just fight flight, it was also this third element of freeze. And that's where I went, whoa, okay, this is something here. And I'd actually, oh, probably about five years ago now, I had experienced this freeze state, but I didn't know what it was at the time. <laughs> And it was just, it was just a, a situation. I was uh, in a country and I was visiting relatives and it was, it was to do with, you know, funeral and I just had this state of just um, probably my body just was like, just get me out of here. Just, I don't want to be doing this. But obviously I had to be there because it was family, all these things. And I just couldn't move. I was in the passenger in the car, the seat of the car, and I literally could not speak and I could not move my body. And when I kind of, um, when I got back to the house, fortunately I wasn't driving, but when I got back to the house, I slept and I burst into tears and I was exhausted for a good 24 to 48 hours after that. I was just sort of walking around in a daze and kind of just thought, what was that? Was that like a panic attack? I don't know, but, you know, whatever. So I just kind of moved on from that. But then discovering this polyvagal concept, I shall call it, um, it just filled in those blanks. So really what it is, Jess, is we've got these three components. So the top part is round our heart, the top part of that where our vagal nerve is, where it wanders through around our face and our heart is called the ventral vagal. And that is activated and stimulated when we're in expression of connection and safety and joy and creativity and, and when you're doing things that you love and when things are all in flow. And it's always that state that we're always trying to achieve in life, but sometimes we just naturally may be in this state, but we just actually are not aware of it and that's just when it's being present and practicing mindfulness and things like that and then you've got you're moving down your in down your torso and it's more down your spine which is the sympathetic which would I was talking about before where it's that fight or flight and and that's where it's activated when your adrenaline's kick in and this is not 
a, a bad thing. You, you do need your sympathetic state to get you motivated. You know, you kick it in if you're riding a bike and you've got to get up the hill or you've got to finish that task or you need to run away from a bit of danger that you're in. So there, it is in the benefit, but obviously in this modern day we're kind of in that that kind of that that sympathetic state most of the time. And then in the bottom is our dorsal vagal, and that is in around our gut. And that is actually the oldest part. It's the most primitive part because these parts that I'm explaining have actually evolved as we're evolved as humans. So ventral is the newest part. It was actually the dorsal that came first, and then it was sympathetic, and then ventral later followed and dorsal is that combination of you can see it when it's depression disassociation isolation that withdrawing that disconnection the disembodiment disassociation and but there, there are times where you you know you can be not isolated but in solitude so you can be in this state in a not so much of it, you know, because it sounds pretty, you know, like, oh, I don't want to go there. Like, who, who wants to be in dorsal? No one wants to be in dorsal. Quick, quick, get out of dorsal. But there are times when it, there are parts of it where, you know, it's just sort of, okay, yes, it's me. I'm being alone and I'm just slightly withdrawing. I can be in this state, but I can move up the ladder. And that's where Deb Dana, and that's probably the. Oh, I, I love I love her. I love her. Yeah. yeah. She. I don't know if I'm saying her surname. I don't know if it's Deb Dana or Deb Dana, but anyway, I'll just go with Deb. <laughs> Deb. She talks about these different states as the ladder and how often we can be like it's fluid. We can be moving up and down the ladder in so many different times of the day. And just, but for some people, we might be hovering around in certain parts of the ladder, you know, maybe a little bit longer than others and, and things like that. So it's really noticing when you are in particular states and sort of going, oh, okay, this is this is when I'm this is I'm actually in sympathetic. I'm kind of halfway up the ladder, or oh, okay, I'm in dorsal. Or and I think what really really put the pieces for me was really when I went into and this was prior getting into Deb's work and Stephen Porges' work was how habits, because being a naturopath, people come to me, they want to improve their health and I want to come improve my health and I want to get better. But, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd put these treatment plans together and would talk about it and I'm like, you know, what things, what first thing do you think you can change? Yeah, I'm going to do the breakfast. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to not eat my toast. I'm going to have this muesli that's going to be amazing and I'm going to have a bit of fruit on it. I'm like, yeah, that's great. And then they don't do it. And I was like, wow, why Why do some people can make changes and some people can't? And and it really kind of, you know, like, why Why is that? And, and it's quite interesting and that's where I got into the hypnotherapy, more about the behavioural change. But it was really interesting how with the whole polyvagal, how often when we are in a sympathetic state or a dorsal state, how we self-regulate, where how we get into where we bring ourselves back into balance, 
where self-regulation is really beneficial because we want to be able to get ourselves back into this balance. And when I'm talking about self-regulation, you know, it's a fancy word. For, there's other words like self-soothe or just getting yourself back into where you're feeling a bit crappy. And what are your go-tos to get yourself back into balance to make you feel make, make yourself feel safe, make yourself feel calm? And it's interesting how sometimes where people might go, oh, I might have some ice cream or I might have an al- some alcohol or, and, and how these go-tos can be, okay, you know, there's nothing wrong with having some ice cream. We're all human. But if that go-to is actually a go-to all the time go-to and is actually not very beneficial to your life or your health, and just taking notice how where if you kind of knew what state your nervous system is in and finding other healthier options to self-regulate and get yourself moving up and down the ladder. Because I, I guess as well, I feel like I'm prattling on, Jess. No, it's so, it's so good. And I love, I love the way you're putting everything because even that term self-regulation, it's like, all right, what does that mean? Right, You know, it, it, that you really like put it to such simple words and that we could do this for ourselves. And I just, I love it because it's true. I'm sure we all see this in ourselves where sometimes we're gung ho and we're, we're rocking our goals and habit change. And then we slip and then we get hard on ourselves and, and this makes perfect sense, right? It's, it's, it's our, our mind's way of helping us or thinking it's helping us anyway to, to, to self-soothe, right? And when you talk about all the different states, I've come to think of it as, I don't know if you've ever heard the term of multiplicity of mind, or we don't really have mono mind, but in, in the polyvagal sense, and you talked about how when we're in ventral vagal, you know, we're connected and we're creative and we're doing things we love and we're in flow and trying to achieve things. And so that that's, we have access to certain parts of our brain and blood flow versus mm-hmm. when we get mobilized and now it's like no soup for you, executive brain. It's like diminishes <laughs> the blood flow and we, we narrow all our, our choices and our range of emotions change and all that. So it's what we really have access to in those states. And I like that you're talking about, well, how do we get back into balance? How do we get, if we want to go up that ladder, how do we bring ourselves there? How do we turn the key to, to the engine and start it going? And that's important to just know your body and, and know yourself. I've recently mm-hmm. started reflecting and, and asking, well, what does my body need right now? Right. Like yes. I, I could be in a battle with my mind and be like alcohol, ice cream, or what are the choices? All right. And then, but what does my body really need? I'm actually, yes. I'm actually stuffed. Why would I eat something and checking in? And that's huge. A lot of us like don't ever check in and then understanding this ladder. And I do love Deb Dana's ladder and what I was thinking too personally is that sometimes what I see in people is, is not this fluid movement that you were talking about or smooth up and down the ladder throughout the day. Cause all of these states have a purpose for us, 
we don't want to be in green. I, I call it green sometimes. So we don't be in that oh, ventral, yeah. right? You don't want to be there if there's a threat and you, you don't yeah, want to be standing there, <laughs> standing there with joy, feeling safety <laughs> and connection. But I was thinking sometimes it seems almost like an elevator that plummets in people, like where someone could just shift into these other states and it's like more violent for lack of a better word like it just like and they they crash they crash down into a dorsal state and so that's where i think the we have to keep an eye on our system the smoothness is cool and trying to get ourselves back but if we notice that there's this jolty like Mm. Right. I, I, I seen that um, like a light switch in, in, in people yeah. sometimes. And yeah, I don't know if you, I mean, I, I love where, where you're going with the conversation, but if you want to talk a little bit about, more about any of that, and I already know you're already talking about how our guts into this and everything. And we're, we're, it's just all connected through, through so, so, so many body systems and yeah, even the way I love that you described where they are and I was painting a beautiful picture in my, my mind of, uh, you know, this is up by your face and your heart. And I was mm -hmm. reading how your voice changes, yes. your ears change, and it's really amazing. And, and just beyond that, your gut connection and <laughs> which part of your brain is getting blood and, and all of that. It's just, it's just a full, the full picture, right? Oh, yeah, I know. And there's, yeah, there's just so many avenues to it, isn't there? And I suppose when you were mentioning about how um, people do just go vroom, into that, that I suppose, that dorsal state, it's, and you can sort of see that, that blankness looking in people's eyes or, and, and they're kind of just somewhere else. And, and that's where, I guess, practising presence would really come into play. And, and that's where I, I really try to establish the five senses so just thinking okay what can I feel can I feel the earth beneath me what you know if you're standing okay have I got shoes on have I got both feet on the ground could you grounding yourself or am I touching something if you're actually doing an activity what am I holding or what am I seeing? What can I see? And then even just sort of maybe just mentally in your mind, if you're outside, I can see a tree, I can see a car, I can see a bus driving by. And then what can I smell and what can I hear and what can I taste in my mouth? Like, oh, I've got the remnants of a coffee or whatever it is. But really when I feel myself being sometimes I'm probably more in that sympathetic state where I'm like, ooh, running, rolling with it, I will just, okay, five senses. Okay, what can I smell? What can I? And, and, that, and that's where I've even, looking back to some of my clients where they've actually said to me, I can't feel my feet. Wow. And at the time I didn't know. I didn't realise the connection. I was just like, oh, gee, they, they must have really bad circulation. Like I just... <laughs> I just didn't think, but now, you know, it all makes sense. It was just, yeah, it was that disassociation of um, because they, they were coming to me with severe anxiety and things like that. So it kind of all made sense. And, yeah, it's, yeah, so bringing, bringing the, the five senses is just a little little thing that I like to try and encourage people to sometimes do, and that's what I sort of teach in yoga and my meditation classes as well that's... Um, yeah, that's super cool. 
it's just so simple because we're all taught all of our senses when we're little kids and we know them, we experience them. And it's that's such a beautiful way to just be able to check in and connect with all those senses and feel like we're in a body. <laughs> it sounds strange, but yeah, it's the term disembodiment and you were just saying this person couldn't feel their feet. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Because I'm sure a lot of people these days might be moving into this state and disembodied and it sounds very <laughs> like what by <laughs> <Am I> a ghost <laughs> yeah yeah it's you know obviously you've got to you've got to rule out <laughs> other health conditions that might be causing that as well I mean there's this there's you know people where they might have numb hands and it might be something to do with their their veins and so definitely their circulation but when when there's there's those times of can't feeling can't feel parts of their body is because they've had to, in times in their life, disconnect themselves. Like just okay, I'm I'm not here, and you do, you do you do you remove yourself from from that situation, even though you're physically there, but you're mentally you're somewhere else. And 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 it is like the deer, you know, being hunted by the lion, and the and the deer goes all floppy, and it's that free state where they pretend that they're they're dead and then the, the lion is disinterested and then the deer sort of springs up, shakes their body, gets out all the, you know, the, the, the energy and they run off and everything's fine. So it's kind of that that kind of feeling. But as humans, when we sometimes have been in that, that state, we hold on to it. When an event has occurred, especially with post-traumatic stress disorder, there's, you know, we've had some people have had some terrible and horrific experiences where the sense is still trapped in their body. And that's where there's a lot of that somatic healing that um, is taking place now, which I don't do that practice at, at all. So I wouldn't really be able to give you much of that. But, but I all think it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> to, to actually go down if you needed to. But even just with yoga, it's just, I, I think it's just, when people think of yoga, I suppose they're thinking of headstands and things like that, but just allowing yourself to create space where you're just sitting and taking notice of yourself sitting on the mat and breathing and noticing your chest move and, and just when you stretch your arm up, noticing the stretch or, you know, and holding that position for a while and then, okay, what's my body? Is it is this sore? Then asking what your body needs is that is that okay if I lift my arm up there or is my shoulder going no stop it you know and then going okay well I'm going to adjust my practice and move it to a different location that suits me instead of having to match what everyone else is doing in in the in the class so sort of you know really knowing and that's that whole trauma sensitive yoga as well where you're allowing choice to the student in in the practice that's super cool. Sorry, that was a really long-winded answer, wasn't it? No, no, but it, it, it's really good and it, it's important. And I've had that experience you were sharing. Um, well, actually, I think it, I think it was um, a, a couple times in my life and where I just froze, but all I could do was kind of scream over and over again. <laughs> but that was, um, it's not funny. It was like terrible situations, but it's... It, um, and it's just weird because like I knew I was there but also I didn't stop myself from just standing there screaming over and over again um so um not sure if that was a full blown freeze response because I wasn't uh, like I wasn't like the floppy deer but 
Um, it definitely was. Well, if you couldn't move, you know, that's, that's, that's a pretty much a freeze response if you couldn't move. <laughs> Frozen and yelling <laughs> and not doing anything else. <laughs> um, Were you heard? Was, did someone hear you? I um, literally, I think like everyone in, in the apartment. Oh, so I think you know, it was weird. I was um, sleeping and we, we were having problems with flooding in our apartment. Not nothing crazy. And I was upstairs and I heard this like noise of water and I was asleep and I went downstairs and I stepped off the bottom step into like this giant puddle of water, uh, like huge, like six inches or so maybe even more and um, my computer was like all the electronics were just in the water which is like the first thing that they tell you when you're a little kid is don't miss electricity and water and um, I do think that somehow I did pick up the computer and put it on a chair because I was already like far enough into it that um, I, I don't know I, I must have there must have been some thinking process in there but then I just started like I was just standing in the, the water and I was just screaming <laughs> and, and security wanted to like put me in an ambulance I'm like no I'm okay um anyway my little dogs were upstairs I'm like I'm not leaving my dogs uh, but yeah it was just um and then there was that even worse situation that I don't have to bump people out with um where I, I you know something terrible happened and I was just like kind of screaming no over and over again and, and so it was odd like it was an odd um state to be in uh, mm. people around you and talking to you and you hear the con like later I remember everything people said etc but at the time I wasn't interacting yeah yeah so so it's, yeah our bodies are <laughs> pretty amazing yeah totally yeah but yeah. even with that mobilized state that you were saying you know a lot of people in modern day are stuck in in that fight or flight or this the, that mm. sympathetic reaction I, I know like there were times in my life where I, I call it <laughs> ever stressed mode which we were all like kind of locked in there and I, I I met someone and she's saying you know like I can't sleep I have so much trouble sleeping and I was like your you know your body is probably like just mobilized and it's not gonna let you yeah. sleep because trying to protect you um, my yeah. students sometimes say like, oh my gosh, it's overwhelming to read this. We have to read this book to study for a certification. And, and this came up last night when I was teaching. It's like, well, your body, like if you're in that mode, like it's not designed for learning in that state, right? It's like if you're completely stressed out and yes, there's a lot of reading, but if you're so stressed when you're reading it that you can't retain any of it and it's too much, then you just have to tackle it when you can be in a state like where you're receptive to learning and it's clicking, right? Like why, if you're sitting there and going through the pages, but none of it's sticking, it's not helping you. And you're probably stressing yourself out even more. And I've seen that like in the past where I've written math books and, and taught math classes and I've taken like taking a lot of math, probably more math than I actually needed for my life. Um, but when I was in that mode and working somewhere toxic, I, I couldn't even fathom my taxes. Everything just seemed like too much. And then now that I, I was able to get more in touch with my body and my emotions and everything, I, I just look at and I'm like, oh, it's like not overwhelming anymore. It's just like, oh, okay, look at that. <laughs> you know, it's like focus on it. So it really just benefits like all aspects. Yeah. Of your life. I mean, you were saying someone's coming to you and they're they're constipated and maybe 
they say, oh, I, I want help from Sarah to fix this, but I'm sure they've, they've noticed other changes in their life as that constipation issue was treated. And maybe they're like, oh, wait, now I don't you know, have headaches anymore or, oh, I have yeah. so much focus or, or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it, it goes into other areas of your life. It's all, yeah, it's quite amazing. <laughs> yeah, and so you were talking a little bit about the hypnotherapy and using that to help people with habits and helping them have those habits stick. And I know hypnotherapy has been used medically since the, the 50s and yeah, it's just, it's just something that that's so cool. So do you want to get into some of what's going on there and, and how you, you make an impact with your clients? Yeah, it's, well, I really, really was intrigued by hypnotherapy, mostly because being into gut health and everything, I started coming across a lot of this research about how it was called, it's called gut-directed hypnotherapy and how they were using hypnotherapy to treat IBS. And there was a lot of studies showing how it improved quality of life by using hypnotherapy. There was one study showing that hypnotherapy was just as beneficial. It gave the same improvement as the other group that were doing diet changes. It was, and I was like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. And and just the fact that how we can have these stored beliefs and and I guess beliefs that we're just being grown up with and really, you know, those those tender years in our life when we 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 listen and, and we learn from our family and our parents and the people around us. And it might be just that one little sentence that someone might say that sticks, you're not good enough, or, you know, or there might be just some kind of behaviour that you're rewarded with food or something, just just something that that might be ingrained in you that you can actually change the belief. And, and it's usually, so when it comes to with the gut-directed hypnotherapy, it's very much based on, I guess, their symptoms and it can be based on, depending on if they've got constipation or diarrhea, but also it's, it's, it's really just focusing on de-stressing them de-stressing my clients really making them sort of relaxed because it is such a there's such an anxiety approach as well especially with IBS so I, I basically see a lot of people with you know either gut stuff or anxiety so an anxiety is when you think about it is it's worry worry about future you're worrying about things that are going to happen so it's really about pulling people back into the present and just using words and phrases that are in line with their values and beliefs then and you know I'm not going to talk about stories that don't really resonate with my client you know you just have a chat and just with the language that they use then you kind of know where their cognitive beliefs are coming from and and it's just I don't know I just find it really fluid and creative and it's just really such a nice way of using a such a tool that is really relaxing and people just feel nice and they're kind of like oh really is that it because I kind of heard everything you said you're like yeah you know you know it's not like you go to this little magical place you know you are awake and you will hear but some you know it's it's just I just find it very natural 
to facilitate hypnotherapy and I really like the creative side where you can use metaphors to tell a story and there's just so many ways that you can just deliver just such a, a gentle message to people. Yeah, it's really great. Love it. Yeah, I really like hypnosis and I'm someone who's uh, self-proclaimed easy to hypnotize, but um, <laughs> I've just had a lot of success with it and I suggest highly suggestible, I guess, might be the word. <laughs> yes, you can be, um, obviously, people are more suggestible than others. And I, I, when I was actually doing my hypnotherapy diploma, I there was an aspect of, you know, self, self-hypnosis and, and it was basically... And all it was, was it was kind of just basically taking you through a body scan, a meditative body scan that you do on yourself. And I thought, oh, I do that every day when I meditate. Oh, maybe maybe that's why I like meditating so much because I'm putting myself into a hypnotic state, which you are in, in when it comes to you are sort of in that same level of hypnosis and meditation are at that same brainwave. That's what I was just going to ask you about the different brain waves. And then did you ever study like the different brain waves going on in the different nervous system states too? No, no, I don't. Oh, yes, no. That sounds really good. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I, I tend to go down rabbit holes and I know I've looked it up before. And then also different kinds of meditation and different brain waves and and a lot of flavors of meditation have different benefits if, if, if you're doing something with focus yes. maybe one part of your brain is growing and if you do this yes. but I've yes. also looked at like the different near-death experiences and the brain waves and the monks and the uh, meditation uh-huh. and like all wow. I, but it's just so cool how I like connecting dots and so and I had to kind of stop myself from just going down, down the rabbit hole but there seemed to be something there because there was also there was a time when I was choking oh wait so I guess this is, a, this is another freeze response <laughs> I was um I was choking and I it's it say I say I went to a place and like in air quotes there and it was just it was actually like a, a timeless warm beautiful place like I knew I knew that I was choking um, and one little stray thought of you're such a blank hole kind of floated by my mind, but I was so disconnected from that thought. Like it wasn't even me and I had no fear, anything like that. And I guess someone noticed me turning blue and time licked me luckily. So I wasn't even doing the, the universal choking symbol or anything. And, and then years later I had that same kind of uh, experience, like really like while doing a specific type of meditation. And I was just like, That's so Oh, wow. Cool, right. And so it's like, what state are we getting into? And I think Stephen poor just had some things written on the spiritual component of polyvagal, but he was talking about it in the sense of um, if someone is, is practicing religion and they're in a church that you you're in this place where you have safety yet those deep organ vibes are triggering something physiologically in your body. And it was just very interesting. It wasn't what I was looking for at the time, but I think yeah. it's getting into maybe blended states. I don't know if you looked into that. I, I, it kind of yeah. like touched. Was that just the, the sound that the organs were producing? Is yeah, that I guess, I guess, the organ in the, the instrument? 
yeah, the organ, I think it was so low and rumbly. So that is evoking like something in, in your system, but you feel safe. And so I know, I know Deb Thane has wrote, written about blended states. I didn't really like check it out yet, but it was kind of cool. Um, it's just cool. I don't know. I just love, I love, I love just learning more uh, just in general, but in this stuff, I'm just truly fascinated by. So maybe that'll be my, my next thing to, to try to check out. Yes, I, I'm, I've written the, that down, looking at brainwaves in different, uh, in the different states. Yeah, for polyvagal, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm sure it must be, it must be different. And um, yeah. if you could, and, and then when you're meditating, you know, you're probably getting into that good ventral vagal, good ventral yeah. vagal presence. And yeah. I bought Deb. I have a bunch of Deb Dana's books, but she had a, a, it was like coming soon. It was her polyvagal flip chart, and so I was kind of skipping. <laughs> I that. Oh, it's really great! It's great. I, I was like skipping yeah. around the apartment, like, oh, it's finally gonna come. My polyvagal flip chart is here. It's coming. And then my daughter came over, and she, and she she looks at it, and she's like, oh, it is a polyvagal flip chart. I didn't know what to think when you were like getting so excited so, about it. Is it something? Is it something that you use in in a session with someone, or is it like to describe things? Yeah, I think it's really cool because it, it's made to exactly to describe something where you can talk to people and you could write on it if you wanted to with uh -huh. with dry erase. It's got like beautiful graphics it's got the ladder and oh, but you're selling it to me yeah no it's I think anyone <laughs> and I we we've actually started teaching people this like I'm a learning and development manager and like we teach people this it was funny because it wasn't funny <laughs> but I was talking about the ventral vagal and called it green you've probably seen this they call it green yellow red and what I've learned too I think it was uh I want to give her credit, but in her book, someone else was writing about behaviors and, and she was saying in children, let them name it for themselves. If you teach them red, yellow, green, they might have a negative association with the other states, but they're all relevant. Uh, but I was just focusing on the top of the ladder, basically, and not the shutdown. Mm. And someone in someone said, we absolutely need to teach our teens about red here. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. it's a very self-aware organization. And, and that was meant in terms of like the people we serve and also the people in our organization. And you've probably heard Deb Dana talk about maybe the three C's of context, choice, and connection. So now when yeah. she has, right. And so that's what's in this chart too. And, and that's what you know, I try to do too is show up for people in the in that that top of the ladder state because then and offer these things to them. Yes. And then I, I know that that's a superpower if we show up <laughs> like that, then yeah. we're we're helping to co-regulate those around yeah. us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Because they'll meet you at yeah. And and yeah. And oh gosh, that whole co-regulation is a whole number of the topic as well, isn't it? But yeah. And you you do you sort of um inviting that person to to meet you where you're at. So it's it's sort of opening the door for them, isn't it? And going oh yeah, this is pretty cool. I'll come to that 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 place right. with you as well. It's yeah. Giving off, the, giving off the cues of safety to that other mm -hmm. person and cues of connection. So that they could say, oh, okay, I'm safe with Jessica. I yeah. think we're naturally 
here we do all these personality tests, etc. And I'm like, naturally, that person and people always say, Oh, it's so easy to be around you or they don't say I feel safe, but people tend to feel safe and, and connected to me. And mm. in that, you know, it's, a, it's one of those blessing and a curse things. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so that's something that you know, if we all just think about that, how we show up for each other, and we're just making the world just a little bit more connected yeah. and less angry. And um, and so, yeah, so definitely recommend the flip chart, like literally for anyone, because it's a beautiful pictures and um, yep. I'm, I'm, flip, I'm flip charting tomorrow. That's for sure. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. flip chart. Yep. Yes. I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> is it the coolest? And I would, I would bring it to work and leave it there, but I hardly ever in the office these days. So maybe I'll get another one to leave. We're going to make a nice wellness room and maybe we'll make, put this in yeah. there. Kind of. Teach, teach people and all uh, get out there and just show up, uh, show up for each other the best we can. Yeah. So, yeah. so the, yes, I know you're talking, I could talk to you forever. And I know I'm more, I'm interested in the microbiome as well as reading how I think it was 37 or 39 trillion microbes in our gut. And meanwhile, the cells that are truly us is like 30 trillion. That, I might be misquoting, but I read Fiber Fueled. I don't know if you read that one. No, I haven't. Oh, yeah, but yeah, there's just, yeah. yeah. You're talking about the second brain. It's really true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all those gut feeling and mm-hmm. gut instinct, misery guts. You know, that's a term that we use. Do you use that, misery guts? No, no, what does that mean? Oh, that's like you're being a bit miserable. Like, But when you think about it, it's it makes sense because it can make you miserable. Hmm. Yeah. You're such yeah. a misery guts. That's what that's such an Aussie term. You're yeah. such a misery guts. <laughs> I'm learning good ones. So you called me um bright and spark. It's bright and sparky over here. I love that. <laughs> and misery guts. But yeah, I was listening to Dr. Eamon and his wife talking, and they said I think it was 70% of the serotonin neurotransmitter. Is that one of the feel-good ones, right? Um, it's, yeah. it's manufactured in your gut. So if you're not having the this healthy population or the right percentage, it's all population economics, right? Like how much of this type of microbes do you have versus that one versus that one? Yeah. Right? Like so, it should be a mix. I guess a healthy mix, and the foods you eat could make a, a big difference because you're you're yeah. feeding all these <laughs> microbes in there, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I've been cutting cutting back on the alcohol. Not that I drank a lot. I had given it up for 2020 and I stuck to that resolution. And then 2021 rolled around. It was like, oh, a glass of wine here or whatever. But then once I read that, I was like, wait, I'm outvoted by all these <laughs> all these microbes. I don't want to kill them off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've read there's a paper where you can just be making positive change even after 24 hours of changing your diet. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. He, the author is Dr. Oh, gosh, I'm going to make Dr. B, fiber-fueled book. He says your gut is very forgiving. And so I was like, that's really good. Like even within, I think they did study and then like five days of the diet change. I think you mentioned lifestyle is medicine before, right? And then they were getting all these benefits of less inflammation, all the, the good things being produced. 
But if they fed them, you know, the other kind of diet five days, <laughs> they saw the, the difference as well. So we can uh, work with our guts, love our guts and, and see see how those changes could help us because mm. again it's all 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 connected yeah yeah super super cool so i'd love that that you're talking uh mind movement and microbiome and and yeah <laughs> sounds pretty cool though doesn't it mind movement microbiome I'm like yeah they're my three pillars yeah 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 i mean exercises they said if there's ever a silver bullet the science of exercise is just incredible what i have to just looking at my stats lately of how many steps I'm doing. And it's quite, it's quite sad. It's like I have to get out there and start walking and in the beauty of nature a little bit more and, and get some more steps in and, and exercise. It's so good for you. Oh, it totally. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I didn't mention this, but I'm wondering if you, if you're game to on the spot, think of something. When we close out the podcast, a lot of times we'll ask for just a simple challenge, something that the listeners could try. I did see it, it, Jess. I think you've written it. You wrote it somewhere. And I did think I'm prepared. (laughs) I'm prepared. Okay. So I was thinking about it. I was like, which one should I do? Um, so because we've been talking about it so much, I thought this is this is what this is what I think would might be a nice little challenge. And it's more of an observational challenge. And it will perhaps be um, you know, you might get an exercise book or a diary if you have one, but just perhaps at the end of the day, or you can just keep it beside your bed, this little book, but just reflect on the day. And just take notice of where you were up and down the ladder. Ah. And then if if that is one step where you're like, oh, yeah, you know, so know that, like that's easy. Or if you maybe if you're just in one state for the whole day or, you know, um, and, and if you want to add on to that, if you were in a cell in a state that you didn't feel comfortable with, um, and you wanted to use something to get yourself back into balance, into self-regulation, what was your go-to that you did and was that something that you want to be doing in your life? Is that a benefit for you? Nice. Right, right. It was more of an observational exercise, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you gave um, a good example of a, a go-to people could try, which would be to... Uh, taking everything in through all their their senses yeah yeah is there anything else that might be a well I suppose like for me um my biggest thing was you know it was always yeah like the, the fizzy alcohol drinks like cider over here you know it's hot in Perth and and at the end of the day where I'd be like I will reward myself with you know I'm feeling stressed I'm going to reward myself with alcohol at the end of the day because I deserve it and that's my my go-to thing but really once you get, when you, when you do, when you ask yourself, when you ask your body, what do I need? You will often, you, your body will go, oh, I am so tired, mm-hmm. <laughs> just really tired. And if I drink that fizzy bit of alcohol, you're going to stay up and you're going to be all happy, you know, like, yeah, you're going to get all excited and all those sugars are going to get into you and you're going to stay up and then you'll probably eat something and then you'll watch TV and you will really, you know, you'll think it's okay at the time, but then by the time you get to bed, I'm going to be even more tired tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you know, they always say mother's always right. My mom would always say, eat when you're hungry, sleep when you're tired. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't let ourselves do that, right? We, <laughs> I, I mean, I know I've, I've had times where instead of sleeping when I was tired, I was eating when I wasn't hungry to somehow stay awake even longer to inefficiently do certain things, right? Yeah. <laughs> Versus listening to my body. <laughs> yes, well, you know, wasn't wasn't it the um when when you first have a, a child that everyone gives you that recommendation sleep when the baby sleeps? Mm-hmm. I listened. I listened to my oh, mom. Did you know you're so good. Really good at it. sometimes, but then there are the times where you're like, no, but that's when I could have my cup of tea and be on on watch my videos or whatever with right. impatience, and I'll just stay up. Well, it works with child number one. Yes. <laughs> If you have the luxury of not working, um, yeah. <laughs> you got two of them. Yeah. Yeah. But it's mm. been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking oh, time. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me, Jess. So lovely to chat to you. Yeah. For anyone who wants to visit, I'll put these all in the show notes, but it's sarachopra.com, which is S-A-R-A-H-C-H-O-P-R-A.com. Um, she's got all her offerings and wonderful stuff on on her website and then on Instagram where you could just get nice little nuggets of of great content. It, it's Sarah.chopra.naturopath. And so that's where I found a lot of goodies and I'm <laughs> sure you will too. So um, great. Is there anything anything anywhere else that we should be sending people. Well, I've got my podcast as well, The Gut oh, Guru. What? Amazing. Oh, well, I'll yeah, be- it was it was kind of it was on the it was on the old um, dusty shelf there for for a little bit, Jess. I must admit, but I've dusted it off mm. and freshened it up, nice. and um, that's back in action again. And I've also just started um, putting some of my well, the, the podcast is available on YouTube as well if you want to watch it. And also um, I'm putting some just short um, yoga uh, sequences together on, on YouTube as well if you wanted to experience a bit of that, a bit of movement. Yeah, movement is fantastic. And I start a lot of my mornings with yoga and I never regret it. It always feels so yeah, so nice. Yeah. So nice. And my brother did yoga and he said it was like, getting a massage I was like that's a good way oh, if you're doing nice. the right yoga right you should feel great <laughs> after <laughs> so so thank you so so much oh thank you maybe we'll have you back to talk about some more good stuff because this was yeah. fantastic thank you and take care I will you too so everyone head to better and betterer.com slash 27 so you can download the super cool pdf that we made for Sarah's challenge to you. Let us know how it goes and see you next time. This is Fell Play. Sunlight streaming up better. Shine up like the beams of the spreader. Keep on dreaming, dream to get better.
to the letter I. I get better.